Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's the fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, Christmas is just five days away, and I always get to this time of year and wonder, where did the time go? Oh, how did Christmas just sneak up on us once again? Uh, but just to help sort of get our hearts ready uh, for Christmas once again this year, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 this morning, as we look at the Christmas story from the perspective of Joseph. Uh, and I just, I hope that as I share this morning, that you could just really relate to what Joseph is going through. Uh, just in, in his desire to live in obedience to God. And even though I think Joseph is a bit of a sort of a forgotten figure of the Christmas story, his life really does teach us some very powerful and some very relevant lessons that I think are going to be very applicable to us as we go through this Christmas season. So if you want to follow along with me as I read, uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, just as we get so close to Christmas once again, uh, Lord, I pray that, just pray that our hearts would be made ready to once again celebrate the truth that our Savior has come, that Jesus was born, and you named him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. May we remember that truth of salvation. We, may we remember that uh, the Lord has come, that Lord Jesus was born in a stable to be dying a cross, to, to offer us forgiveness. Uh, and may we just be able to celebrate that fact. Pray that you'd be with us in our time together this morning. Um, Lord, again, it's difficult not being able to be together as a church, but Lord, even in this way, that you would draw us together by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us through your word, and that, Lord, yeah, you, would, you would give us truth this morning uh, that, we can, that just speaks into our lives in a very powerful way this Christmas season. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me just begin with a question this morning. Um, have you ever had a bad day? Uh, you know, just one of those days where you just never should have gotten out of bed. 
Uh, I've had my share of those kind of days. I'm sure you have as well. It's the kind of day where just nothing, nothing seems to go right. Uh, you wake up, get out of bed and stub your toe. Uh, you get in the shower to find that the hot water tank is broken. You go down for breakfast. You're out of milk, or worse, your milk is curdled and you already poured it into your chai tea. Uh, you know, you go, you go to get dressed, you realize, you know, that you forgot to do your laundry. All the while, the kids are now late for school. That report you printed last night that you thought was going to be ready for you is stuck in your printer in a paper jam. And now you're, just, you're running late, you're hungry, you're frustrated, you're wearing yesterday's dirty clothes, and you haven't even left the house yet. Some days, some days are just like that. But what do you do when days like that turn into weeks? And what do you do when weeks like that turn into months? And what do you do when months like that turn into even years? What do you do when good times go bad? What do you do when suffering strikes your life? What do you do when circumstances come that just leave you brokenhearted and discouraged so badly that even your dreams begin to die? And I know that you know what I'm talking about because honestly, 2020, this year, has not been a year any of us could have imagined. If someone in 2015, you know, asked you, where do you see yourself in five years Let's just all agree, we all got that answer wrong. And I know that this Christmas is going to be a hard one for very many people. I know that this is not the Christmas that we were hoping for or planning for or, or wanting. Even a few months ago, we were hoping things would be different. I know that for many people, this is a Christmas of broken dreams. Yet here's something I think we all need to know and understand. Because this idea of feeling like circumstances are out of control, this idea of your life going off the rails in a completely different direction, this idea of dreams being broken is actually one of the main themes we find in the Christmas story itself. Because if you don't believe me, you just need to ask a guy named Joseph. Because if you think your Christmas planning has been interrupted and going badly, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because this is his story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. And we're just going to stop there for a moment because I do need to give credit where credit is due and say that that certainly sounds like a very good beginning. After all, 2,000 years ago in a little town called Nazareth, that was basically the way that all good love stories and happily ever afters began. It's likely the betrothal would have been arranged by Joseph's parents when he was old enough to marry. And as any good parents would, I'm sure they were keeping an eye out, you know, for a fine, upstanding young woman who would make a suitable bride for their son. You know, maybe even Joseph asked his parents about that sweet girl in the village that caught his eye named Mary. After all, Mary had a very, you know, had a similar family history to his own. Uh, both Joseph and Mary were distant descendants of the royal family of Israel. They could proudly trace their family trees all the way back to King David himself. Mary was certainly a good choice. Uh, the fiddler in the roof on me, in me wants to say, she was a good match. And following the tradition of the time, Joseph would have been brought 
before Mary and their parents would have spoken a very formal benediction over them as they drank a cup of wine together and they were betrothed. Of course, that was only the betrothal. Both Joseph and Mary would live separately, Mary with her family, until the actual wedding, which followed usually sort of a year or more later. Yet that betrothal ceremony It sealed Joseph and Mary's future together as sure as any vow. From that moment on, Joseph and Mary were pledged to one another. If Joseph had died, Mary would have been considered a widow. If Joseph and Mary were unfaithful to each other, it was deemed adultery and was punishable by death. And to us, it may seem like a strange way of doing things, and it's certainly not nearly as romantic as some stories we hear, but that was the way it was done. And the result was, Mary and Joseph, in their own way, had found the person that they knew they were going to spend the rest of their life with. And you know what? In that moment, was born the new dream of their life together. You know, dreams of striking out on their own as a couple. You know, Joseph running the carpenter shop, Mary caring for the home, you know, building their first house with room for a growing family. The dream of having children, you know, the pitter-patter of little feet. Joseph Jr. bouncing on daddy's knee. Mary Jr., you know, helping out in the kitchen. And there was that dream of just the growing love between a husband and wife and just growing up and growing old together. It was the perfect start to the life that Joseph probably had always dreamed of. And then the unthinkable happened. Somewhere, sometime during that betrothal period, tragedy struck. Because verse 18 continues, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And when Joseph gets that news about Mary's pregnancy, just imagine how his world was turned upside down. Everything would have been messed up. His plans were dashed. I'm sure he's thinking, how could Mary do such a thing? How could she do that to him? She seemed like such a nice girl, a respectable girl. And now she shows up one day pregnant. And Joseph knows beyond a doubt that he's not the father. So now he's faced with a choice. What is he going to do about it? How does he respond to this news? After all, Mary's explanation of the pregnancy was simply unbelievable. And we have no idea how Mary approached Joseph on the subject. We don't know what she would have said when she had to face him and tell him that she was pregnant. We only know that whatever it was that Mary said, however she said it, it's clear Joseph did not believe it. And honestly, who can blame him? Who could believe that this was from God? And I'm sure that that news sent Joseph reeling. It left him hurt and confused, and crushed, and angry, and just feeling so much loss. Wondering, how could this happen? How could something so perfect fall apart just so stunningly? Because up until now, Joseph had done everything right. He didn't eat unclean food. He didn't mix with the wrong kinds of people. He didn't keep his carpentry shop open on the Sabbath day and make a few extra drachmas. I mean, he worked hard. He followed the rules. He did everything that a good Jewish person is supposed to do. 
And bad things aren't supposed to happen to good people, right? But now the girl that he was engaged to marry was pregnant. And they lived in a small town where everybody knows everybody else's business. This truth, it wasn't going to stay hidden long. And everything that Joseph had been hoping for and praying for and dreaming about came crashing down around him. And it's there. It's in that place of broken dreams that I think most of us can probably relate to this passage. Because it's in the midst of our own broken dreams that we begin to understand what Joseph is going through. And I know how true that is for some of you. Because again, it's 2020. And I know the catchy thing to say right now is we're all in this together. But the truth is we're not all facing the hardships of COVID in the same way. And for some, it's a, the financial struggle is very real. And they don't know how they're going to make ends meet. For some, you know, we, we have to watch our kids, you know, coping with the loss of friends and, and, and their peers and, you know, struggling with school and keeping up with online learning. For others, they're having relationships fall apart just because of the stress that they're going through. Others, you know, there's issues with their health and just getting sick. I know of others who've had to, in this time, face the loss of loved ones. And, you know, and the pain of just not being able to be with them in the hospital uh, while they were dying and not being able to really have a funeral, not, you know, not even allowed to have the family around, you know, with, the, with them, you know, to, to help them as they're mourning. And I think after 2020, we may not look at the word lonely in the same way ever again. For most of this year, it's felt like sort of one long, unending train wreck. Feeling like life is just not happening the way it's supposed to. Feeling at times like life, all life can offer us right now is just more disappointment. Feeling that there's, just, there's been so much loss that we have had to go through in the last nine months. For many of us, we're feeling like we're not sure life is ever going to feel normal again. And just like Joseph, when we find ourselves in that kind of place, it's pretty easy to convince ourselves that God isn't in it. And that's where Joseph found himself. The life that he had always hoped for was no longer a possibility. All the plans he had so carefully made were dashed into a thousand pieces. All of his dreams were shattered and broken. And Joseph is faced with a choice. And it was a choice he never thought he'd have to make. As we read in verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. When all is said and done, Joseph decides simply to try and quietly call off the wedding and seek a divorce. He has no real desire to see Mary suffer any more than she has to. After all, you know, Mary as a single mother, it was going to be hard enough on her in the years ahead. But for Joseph, it's time to cut his losses and hope that maybe, maybe the two of them can just sort of get on with their separate lives, go their separate ways. And yet it was then when Joseph's dreams lay broken 
just when he was about to give up, just when he had lost hope, it was then that God shows up to give Joseph something that he never expected. Because God gives Joseph a new dream. Verse 20, we read, But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. In one night, everything changes. And I kind of wonder what Joseph thought when he got up that next morning. I mean, where had that dream come from? Because there must have been something about that dream that Joseph knew it was truly from God. Something that assured him of the truth of what had been told to him. Something that caused him to change his mind about everything. And yet what's interesting to me is that the This new dream that God gave Joseph, it actually didn't change anything about his circumstances. I mean, Joseph still had the same problems he had when he woke up as he did when he went to bed that night. Mary was still pregnant. He still wasn't the father. And even if he married Mary right away, people would do the math. Babies aren't born that soon after a wedding. The town was still going to gossip. The news was still going to get out. And now instead of just taking a wife, he was gaining an instant family. When you think about it, if anything, this dream that God gives to Joseph actually makes things more difficult. And yet, as we all know, Joseph went on to take Mary as his wife. So why the change of heart? I mean, what would cause such a turnaround? Well, the answer is right here before us in verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. The difference is that Joseph chose to live in obedience. Even when obedience meant hardship, even when that obedience would mean ridicule from his neighbors, even when obedience meant giving up on his own hopes and his old dreams and the life that he always thought he had wanted, Joseph obeyed and he trusted God. For a new dream. And as much as Joseph probably wanted to be anywhere else, he chose to be where God wanted him to be. And the amazing thing of all of this is that through Joseph's broken dream, God works a miracle. Verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. Now just think about that for a moment, because those words tell us that Joseph's plan for his own life might have been very good, but God's plan for his life was incredible. It was amazing. It was exceedingly abundantly more than Joseph could have ever imagined. That every prophecy of the Old Testament was going to be fulfilled through the child that Mary was carrying. And you know, Joseph had no idea when he woke up that next day 
that 2,000 years later, the world would still be remembering his obedience to God. He had no idea that there would be cardboard cutouts and ceramic figurines of him in nativity scenes. He had no idea that little boys from all over the world would be playing his role in the local Christmas pageant. Joseph had no idea what the future held. All he knew was that in taking Mary as his wife, he was doing the will of God. He was a normal person in a tough situation that decided to be obedient to God no matter the cost. And again, look at the result. Verse 25, he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And they called his name Jesus. Mary gives birth to a son. But it's not just any son. It is the son of God. The Messiah. The Christ. God in the flesh. And they name him Jesus. Because that name means he shall save his people from their sins. Now Shakespeare famously once asked, what's in a name? But when it comes to the name of Jesus, it's the most beautiful answer of all. They gave him the name Jesus because he would be the savior of all people. Jesus came to shed his blood on the cross and to pay the price that we couldn't for our sins. Jesus came to be the savior who offers hope and peace and love and life to all who call on that name. Jesus came to be the Savior of all people. And what an incredible moment it must have been in that stable in Bethlehem, when in exchange for his broken dreams, Joseph held in his hands the baby that could make all men's dreams come true. And you know, as we come to this passage again this morning, I want us to learn three lessons about how God actually works in our lives. These are truths that we need to hold dear, especially when we're going through difficult times like the ones we are living in right now. These are truths that I hope will bring comfort and hope and perspective into all of our struggles that we're going through. The first truth we really learn from this passage is that God is always in control. You know, the birth of Jesus and how it came about was no accident. Events were not out of control. God was not just making it up as he went along. He, he didn't just pull Joseph and Mary's names out of a hat and said, okay, I guess they can be the ones. No, this was a Christmas that happened exactly the way that God had planned it. For thousands upon thousands of years, the Lord had been guiding every single step along the way. He'd been watching and waiting and planning and shaping history for this one moment in time to take place exactly the way he planned. And kingdoms came and kingdoms went and nations conquered nations. And every second of the day, without fail, God continued to move the entire universe closer and closer to the birth of the Savior. There were no mistakes. There were no missteps. It all happened exactly the way it needed to. It unfolded perfectly according to the will and sovereignty of God, right down to the last detail. And the same is true in our lives. There's never a circumstance that we will find ourselves in that God won't have already known about. Even when we think our lives are spiraling out of control, God is sovereign, God is able, and he makes no mistakes His work is never out of place. His help is never late. God is always 
in control. And he's always at work accomplishing his will the way he wants it to happen. And we may not always understand what God is up to in our lives, but God is always at work. And he's always sovereign in it. That's the first truth we need to hold on to. The second truth that we need to know about God working in our lives is that God has the right to change our direction. You know, as the Lord of our lives, God can alter our course and take us to places that we often don't expect. He puts us in circumstances we often don't understand. And sometimes he even asks us to do things that we don't particularly like. But God has the right to do his will in his own way, even if if it's in our lives. And often when he works in that way, he does things we don't expect. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 reminds us, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I actually think that, could, that verse could define 2020 for us because who of us could ever have thought this is how God is going to be at work in our world at this, in, at this time? None of us saw it coming. We need to let go of the plans that we have made, the dreams that we have dreamed, desires we hold dear. That, those things are hard and sometimes that's out, outright painful, but often in our lives, God has something else in mind for us other than what we have planned. And though, again, it may not seem like it at the time, in light of eternity, God's ways, God's plans are always better. And God's plan for our life is far greater, far higher than anything that we ourselves might envision. And just like Joseph, we need to learn to trust in him. Because all power, all knowledge, all freedom are his to do with as he desires. We need to give God the right to change our direction and even break our dreams at times if it's going to do his will. And then finally, the last truth I think we learn from our passage is this. That in all the circumstances of our lives, God desires obedience. You know, when suffering comes, be obedient to God. When hard times threaten, Be obedient to God. When life is easy, be obedient to God. And even when it costs you everything, be obedient to God. You know, I think one of the great things about living for God is that when your circumstances around you change, you don't have to change your strategy for living. You just keep on living for Christ every moment of every day. You keep on praying. You keep on being faithful. You keep reading the word of God. You keep on obeying God in everything. And maybe you're listening this morning and you're asking some of those tough questions. Maybe you've had some of your well-laid plans interrupted. Maybe you, like so many others this year, have had some of your most heartfelt dreams broken. Maybe you can't understand why all of these hard things are happening to you. Well, you're not being punished and it doesn't mean that God is displeased with your life. In fact, maybe you're going through these times because God is actively working in your life and in the world around us in a new way. 
Maybe right now God wants to take you somewhere you never imagined you would have to go. Maybe he wants to reveal himself to you in a way you never expected. Maybe God is preparing you for something that is incredible in your life. But for now, you can't see it. And it's just out of reach. Because that's what Joseph learned that very first Christmas. God interrupts his plans. God tears down his dreams. God detours his life. But in doing so, God provides a savior. And I think Joseph probably wrestled with God in all of this as much as we probably do. Yet Joseph had a choice. He could have been angry. He could have become vengeful. He could have walked away from the whole situation and just tried to fulfill his own dream on his own somewhere else. Yet in the midst of all of that disappointment, Joseph chose to trust He chose to give up all of his own hopes and dreams and chose to follow God even on what would have been that very messy road that led him to Bethlehem. He surrenders his life to God's purposes and God's plans. And as we stand on the verge of celebrating Christmas and the new year after that, you know, a new year that is going to be so full of unknowns, whatever may come, I hope that each one of us can say the same thing. That in it all, in everything that comes, we would continue to trust in God and live in obedience. And in these days ahead, as we look to celebrate, you know, knowing that this Christmas is not what most of us want. Remember that even then, God has in Christ Jesus given to us all that we need. That he has sent us a Savior. So my final encouragement to you this Christmas is that in all that you're going through, keep your focus on Christ. You know, every year I tell you, don't let the truth of Jesus get lost in the hustle and bustle of the season. And and don't lose sight of the fact that even in a year as crazy as this one, God is still in control. And maybe your life is a little messy this morning. Maybe you're going through a hard time. You're not sure how you're going to get through. Maybe you're discouraged And disappointment with problems piling up. Maybe you're just heartbroken because you can't see your family. Maybe you can't see anything good ahead of you for miles away. And your Christmas dreams have been broken. Well, let the story of Joseph remind you that even out of great hardship and broken dreams, God offers us an even greater hope in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come to Christmas again this year, uh, we acknowledge that the circumstances that we are living through right now mean it is not what many of us wanted it to be. And we feel the loss of not being able to get together. And for many, this is going to be a Christmas that is so lonely. For many, there are people who are grieving that loss and just grieving the loss of loved ones, feeling all alone. And Lord, all of us are experiencing loss. But in all of these things, Lord, we we remember that you are still God. You are still in control. You are still at work in our world. And you are at work in our lives. And that Christmas still happened. And in all that we are feeling, may we remember that you, our Savior has still come. Jesus has still been born and salvation is available. 
And that no matter what the circumstances, because of Jesus, that hope, that love, that joy, that peace, that grace, that forgiveness, that life and life eternal is still ours because of him. And may we live that truth out. May we walk in that truth. May we live in obedience to you, trusting you, no matter what circumstances come our way. And in it all, may we keep our eyes focused on Christ, especially at this time of Christmas, that our hearts would be prepared to celebrate Christmas again this year. And even though it's not what we want, we know that in giving us Christ, you have given us all that we have ever needed. And we thank you for that tremendously. And Lord, just as we close, I pray that the love of God the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with us as we depart. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we close, I want to remind you all just to join us for our Christmas Eve service this year. Uh, as Rod said, it's happening both at 4 and 6 p.m. this year. Uh, and then it'll be available to watch anytime after that. And again, just on behalf of myself and my family and the staff here at Northgate Baptist, we want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, praying that the Lord might greatly bless you in it.